Welcome to Plodcast, episode 19. It's hard to believe that we've had 18 of these in the past, but here we are, number 19. So I want to begin, since, we, um, since we're dealing with timely issues of the day from time to time, I want to begin with some observations about Al Franken and the Gropers. Um, and actually, that's a that sounds like a striking name for a band, Al, Al Franken and the Gropers. Well, uh, something's going on here. Uh, some some writers have called this the uh, sexual harassment apocalypse. Uh, there's been an absolute torrent of uh, stories um, and uh, allegations and accusations. Uh, coming out left, right, and center, and it it doesn't appear to be business as usual. So uh, some people might say, uh, "Well, this is what's going on all the time. This is the this is the way it always is." And for some reason, uh, one person coming out has given a bunch of other people the encouragement or the uh, permission to come out and and make the allegation, make the accusation. But there appears to me to be something uh, uh, more significant uh, in this. Um, uh, a friend suggested to me, his wife suggested to him, and I, and I think that there's um, something to it. I think that we are seeing the end of an era. Um, and we've moved away from the party, and we are now having to pay the piper. We've moved away from the dance, and now is the reckoning um, take the day take as a uh, a marker the death of Hugh Hefner and and consider how how people have uh, responded differently Hugh Hefner dies and he's the he's not treated as the, the it's not treated as the departure of the dirty old man uh, or the uh, very very wicked American man uh, that's uh, you see occasional comments to that effect, but overall, it was you know his legacy and his contribution and his uh, you know all of all of that stuff. But but that side of town always has a uh, grotesque underbelly. There there are always consequences. Uh, God is not mocked; a man reaps what he sows. With the death of Hugh Hefner, we then we you saw a secular establishment trying to give some sort of accolade or or praise or credit where credit's due sort of thing to Hefner. And then in the immediate aftermath of this, all these, uh, this avalanche of allegations uh, come tumbling out, whether it's Kevin Spacey or Harvey Weinstein or now now Al Franken. And it seems like there's uh, one or two new fresh allegations against a new character every day um and it's like there's this someone tapped a gusher All right so what what is happening well it turns out that you can't have it both ways you can't respect women and disrespect women at the same time you can't teach one thing to young men on monday and expect them not to have learned that on friday you can't um, you, you, you can't exalt um, free love. You can't exalt um, promiscuity. You can't uh, uh, deride those uh, moral troglodytes who object to uh, promiscuity as 
uh, as slut shaming the women and and so forth. Uh, in other words, you can't. He who says A must say B. He who uh, goes in a particular direction has to, at the end of his journey, find himself in the place where he went. Um, so th- he, here, here's what I mean. Um, we are trying. We're still trying to split the difference. We're still trying to say that you can have decency survive in an indecent environment in an indecent culture we want to say that basic human decency can survive without any kind of external support without any kind of cultural reinforcement we want to say that um that everybody you know the ken stars of this world the people who investigated uh, bill clinton's outrageous behavior they were at the time considered to be uh, uptight uh, buttoned up tight um, you know, puritanical, prudish. Uh, what's wrong with what's wrong with you people? You people are what's wrong with America. And now, when everything is coming apart, people are starting to say, "Was Ken Starr right? He was the special prosecutor going after uh, going after President Clinton and the Mona Lewinsky, Monica Lewinsky fiasco." Um, well, why why are we surprised? Um, when you when you look at at the culture that we've created we are we are still trying to have it both ways so for example in the al franken um thing and i I, i'm going to circle back around when i say this and and qualify something because i know how the uh, outrage experts uh respond to this sort of thing but uh the woman who uh was abused by al franken with the photograph of him uh, groping her and the uh, uh, the allegation she makes or the the discussion or the the accusation that she makes is that that he um, kissed her French kissed her against her will in a, in pre- in practicing for a skit etc. Well, we have we have clear evidence of the uh, of the of the groping because of the picture you know the, the, there it is and Franken apologized and and he's not denying it. Roy Moore is denying having done any of these things that he's alleged to have done. Uh, but Franken acknowledged it. Franken uh, admitted it. Now, uh, the woman, who's now a, a news anchor, I think at a local television uh, station, was at one time, uh, was at one point, a uh, uh, Playboy um, centerfold or a Playboy model. And uh, some people say, I, you're going to, uh, you know, slut shame the woman or you're going to accuse no no nothing like that nothing like that i'm what i want to do is slut shame the culture what i want to do is say you can't uh, accept degradation at this point and then object to it at that point you can't uh, you can't stop and go at the same time you can't go east and west at the same time you cannot cultivate a respect for women and cultivate a disrespect for women so um if you can get all the official people in the world all the editors and all the commentators and so forth to to say that a woman who takes off her clothes for the photographer is quote unquote a model um uh, but that doesn't alter the fact that a generation of boys brought up on that kind of thing will not think of her or will not, and will not think of other women as as 
professional women who are serious about uh, this, that, or the other thing, or serious about world peace or whatever it is, um, you, what you're doing is catechizing young boys to disrespect women. That's what you're teaching them to do. And when those boys grow up and they get into their own um, groping careers, you you can't detach what they're now doing from uh, the the what the culture expected them uh, to do, what the culture taught them uh, how to do. So the fundamental issue, the fundamental bottom line with Al Franken and Harvey Weinstein and Anthony Weiner and you know all of the all of these um, malefactors, uh, the basic lesson is this: when you go to a particular place, you will at some point, find that you have arrived and what we are discovering is you know uh, all the innocent um, well go back to another um, uh, thing as I as I'm recording this um, Charles Manson Manson of the Manson murders just just died in prison uh, last night and it was one commentator said that that Manson was the one who killed the 60s so you had the summer of love and you had, uh, you know, uh, go to San Francisco with flowers in your hair. And, and, and we can all sort of declare by fiat that things are going to be wonderful. It, look, everybody can belong to everybody else sexually. We can just have free love. We can just give up property. It's, it's going to be totally great. Trust me, it's going to be totally great. And uh, Manson uh, ordering the... the uh, murder of Sharon Tate and, and others uh, sort of put an, uh, uh, a final sort of climactic negation on the 60s as understood that way. Um, and what we're seeing now is another uh, rejection. It's, it's the, all the, all the bills are coming due. Everything's, everything is uh, coming down upon us. And we are discovering again the, the human race is a lot like duffel puds. We're discovering, again, that in the long run, stupidity never works. Sexual stupidity never works. Um, God's pattern, God's way, God's law, God's um, set of expectations for us, one man, one woman, one time, faithfulness for life, that standard is the only tenable, sustainable standard. So uh, just as stupidity never works in the long run, so also in the long run, sexual stupidity never works. So I want to talk, uh, I, I do a little book review for every one of these podcasts. And, and in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Michael Behe's book, uh, Darwin's Black Box. And what I want to talk about is sort of the central uh, contribution that uh, Behe makes, and that is his uh, argument of, uh, of irreducible complexity, or rather his argument from irreducible complexity. Now, he has particular examples. He, he has, uh, um, you know, for example, he talks about uh, how um, the blood clots, how, how uh, blood clotting works. And he has um, uh, 
you know, he gives other scientific explanations where he's illustrating this, this principle of irreducible complexity. And those arguments are powerful. But there is a, uh, but I want to highlight the structure of the argument itself because you will see this sort of thing, uh, you will see this this uh, kind of thing happening uh, everywhere you look. So uh, this is this is how irreducible complexity works. This is his uh, what I think is a definitive contribution to the discussion. That is an organ, uh, any. Uh, part of a body or any part of a living organism that needs to function that has a particular um, uh, function to perform and which has more than one part which is true of virtually all of them and many of them would have countless parts you know uh, numerous parts um, this is uh, take uh, an example or an illustration from a mousetrap uh, Part of this organism, part of this mechanism, part of this um, uh, functioning tool is no good at all. Uh, what what do you call uh, an eye that is uh, one third of the way evolved? What do you call an eye that is one third of the way evolved? Well, the answer to that is blind. That's what you call it, is blind. An eye that is not yet fully evolved does not yet perform the function. So uh, Behe argues this way. It's not like you can take a little wooden platform and set it out, and that little wooden platform catches a few mice. And then a little, uh, a little bit later, uh, you add a spring, and it catches a few more mice. It, it, its mice uh, cap- capturing ability improves. Uh, and then you uh, add a lever, and then it catches a few more mice. It doesn't work that way. An irreducibly complex mechanism is one that requires all the pieces to be assembled in the right order, to be in the right position, and it, and exactly the right ratios and so forth, in order for that mechanism to function at all. Um, with a bird with half a wing can't fly. A uh, an, a creature with half an eye can't see. Um, uh, creatures that have um, Half, half a foot or half a leg would be lame. Um, so the, um, the uh, advantage that would be given to this uh, impersonal process of natural selection is an advantage that would be non-existent until the whole mechanism is assembled. But the mechanism has no... What's the logic? Um, why would... A little wooden platform be given any advantage at all as the evolutionary process leans toward the mousetrap why would why would a spring be added why would a lever be added and and so on so what be he's uh, what be he is doing is he's showing that the the world is contrived the the world is and this is true of uh, inanimate uh, the the inanimate cosmos but it's also is but it's particularly true of organisms it's particularly true of every living creature uh, down on the um, at the cellular level and up to gigantic life forms whales and elephants Um, this is true everywhere you look 
and and we're indebted to him for this for the structure of this argument this world was crafted this world was painstakingly put together uh, this is like uh, watching someone uh, uh, carve the lord's lord's prayer on the head of a pin um, because when you look you look at something smaller than the head of a pin the dna strand and you say not only is the lord's prayer carved on that but every strand of dna in your body and there are billions of them every every single one of those is a library um, and it's a library with enormous amounts of information uh, and that's not possible in a blind uh, in a blind universe with with atoms groping their way f forward in a blind way. There's no way you've got no possible mechanism that would enable you to say that's what did it. That's what that's what caused this little wood, wooden platform to catch a few mice and then to add the spring and then to add the lever and so on. That's the way it is across the board. In in all um, in all forms of life, we have irreducibly complex systems, and there is no proposed mechanism. There's no proposed uh, parallel to natural selection. You know, you the, you can appeal to natural selection when you're talking about how um, uh, birds with this kind of beak evolve into birds with that kind of beak because you you've already got a bird and you've you've got you've got something there where the 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 mechanism of natural selection and survival of the uh, fittest makes some kind of initial sense but when you're trying to build the mousetrap when you're trying to build the first functioning organism that has let's say five parts and every part is essential you take one of them away and it doesn't work at all you take another one away and it doesn't work at all when those when that when that happens um you've got no possible mechanism All right, so we are continuing our study of hamartiology, our study of sin, all the Greek words for various sinful activities in the New Testament. And we come to aiskrotes, aiskrotes. This means filthiness, which is how it is rendered in Ephesians 5, 4. In this context, it appears to be applied as a sin of speech. All right, so filthiness has to do in this context with as a, as a sin of speech. In the previous verse, Paul has addressed certain sins of the flesh that ought not to be committed and therefore ought not to be named in their midst. So um, the pagans were fond of doing certain things and Paul is saying those things shouldn't be done in your midst and consequently people shouldn't be referring to them. It's, just, it's shameful even to speak about what, uh, what the pagans do. Uh, and then in verse 4, he prohibits filthiness, our, our word, as crotes, he prohi prohibits filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting, and calls the Ephesians instead to the rendering of thanks. So the, uh, so the filthiness here seems to refer to dirty speech, obscene jokes, and so on. And the fact that he contrasts this with thanks means that, that um, the motivating force underneath dirty talk, underneath coarse jesting, underneath filthy speech, is discontent all right so 
Um, elsewhere in Ephesians, Paul says, let him who's, who steals, st- uh, steal no longer, but rather work with his hands. He's got the same construction here. Um, the man who works with his hands has something to share with others who are in need, and uh, he won't be tempted to steal because he's working with his hands, etc. Uh, Paul says uh, here, uh, we shouldn't be our speech shouldn't be corrupt, our speech shouldn't be filthy, but rather should be characterized by thanksgiving. So um, the absence of thanksgiving is to dirty speech what the absence of an honest job is to theft. All right. So um, the, the Christian uh, is urged here by Paul to refine his speech, avoiding crudities and vulgarities. Uh, the, this Christian impulse to do so is a godly one, and it proceeds primarily from the Apostle Paul with Queen Victoria exerting something of a lesser influence. This um, disparagement of dirty jokes, this looking down on crude, uh, on, on talk that is rude, crude, and unattractive, is a Pauline impulse. This is something that is scripturally grounded. The, uh, I'll come circle back around and say the Bible prohibits telling dirty jokes. The Bible prohibits um, uh, seeking out salacious stories that way. We ought not to be given over to filthiness. God in the time of the sickness, God in the doctor too. You've spent a pleasant half hour with podcast proprietor Douglas Wilson. This podcast is produced by Canon Press. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. To hear more from Doug, please visit canonpress.com.